Hello, and welcome to Adafruit Show and Tell. I'm Liz. I'm going to be your host tonight. Uh, if you would like to join the stream, you can find a link to the live broadcast in the live broadcast chat, rather, on our Discord server at adafruit.it slash Discord. First, we're going to kick things off, though, with some Adafruit folks. We're going to start with Scott. Hello. Hey, Scott, how's it going? Hey. Hi, Liz. Uh, thanks for hosting. Of course, yeah. Um, let me rearrange it. Okay. A little bit. So what I've been doing is uh, the IMX RT is nearly there for us to release as a cool. Metro. Um, I've got it on my desk here and I've been experimenting with uh, determining the performance of it. Hmm. Um, it's a lot more complicated of a chip and I want to get it configured so that we can like get a good balance of RAM and speed. Excellent. Um, so I've been playing around with that and um, ARM has this thing called SWO, which is a, a way of outputting performance data straight from the CPU out to the outside world. Um, so let me share my screen. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see. So what we've got here mm -hmm. is, um, just as a test, I was doing two things here. One, I'm printing what you would normally see in the terminal, but via this other path. Um, okay. So here you could see, for example, like traceback, you're like you're trying to set the frequency and you can't. Mm -hmm. um, but one neat thing about it is that it comes with this timestamp, which is oh. actually like the it's dependent on the CPU frequency. So it should have like per cycle accuracy for this timestamp. And then what I was trying to do here is uh, output the instruction pointer for Python. So for oh. every individual bytecode thing that we run, how long does it take? was my, mm -hmm. my goal, but really I wanted to see if I could output them all fast enough, because that's the challenge is like, this is a 500 megahertz CPU, how do you spit out all this data that you're generating? Right. And you can actually yeah. see here where it says overflow. Um, the neat thing about it is if, if the things that are generating the stuff in the CPU work too fast, they detect that they're going too fast and okay. they'll throw a thing that says like, oh, by the way, like we dropped something here because we couldn't manage to do it. Um, and so I think what I'm going to end up doing is just slowing everything down, slowing oh, all of the CPU down <laughs> yeah. uh, and leaving the debug stuff faster to try to figure out how I can get the data that I want. Because ideally, mm -hmm. I would be able to do like a trace where it says like, this function was called from here to here, and this function was called from here to here. And we'd be able to see like w everything that's involved in actually running some code should be neat. That's very um, cool, yeah. But you, I think what I have to do is I have to basically slow the world down on the chip. So like, okay. you know, a quarter speed or a 10th of speed or even slower where, you know, mm -hmm. something that would run normally for a minute would take maybe 10 minutes, but I'd also capture all this data about it. Um, because there is all these complexities, like I can't really fake it, like between mm. all the caching and stuff, I really just I think yeah, I need to just see. slow the whole world down and capture it as much as I can to see, see how it's actually working. So um, that's pretty cool. And this SWO is actually on the SWD connector already, which is pretty neat. Okay. Um, nice. So I'm using just the stock uh, Metro M7 for that right now. Excellent. Um, and then because I'm doing all this data ingestion and I was doing the logic analyzer stuff, I also picked up these two dev kits from DigiKey that I haven't actually played with yet. Okay. Um, one's upside down. <laughs> This is a super speed explorer kit. So it's a uh, Cypress FX3. Okay. Um, Cypress has these easy use USB chips that are really geared towards 
like being an interface between a fast on board bus and the USB world. Mm. Um, and super speed is five gigabits per second, which is pretty amazing. Um, Very fast. <laughs> so for logic analyzer stuff, for trace capture, that could be like really, really cool. Um, so yeah, playing nice. around with are you, are you thinking of doing something with the, your Pi Sigrock project with one of those then? I am, yeah. So the FX2, which is the, this is a high speed device, so 480 mm -hmm. megabits, um, is like a very, very common chip in the Sigrock world already. So I'd like to oh, okay. support that from the Python side of things too. Um, so yeah, that's why I picked those up is because I think supporting those two boards would be really, really cool um, in PySigRock. And I actually, for um, this SWO stuff, I'm using a decoder from Sigrock to do the analysis. Oh, of, great. Of the bytes coming in. So it's, it's working out. That's awesome. Great. Well, thanks so much, Scott. Yep. Thanks, Liz. Thanks. Have a good night. Next, we're going to go to Internet Sensation and Borella. Hardly, Liz. Uh, <laughs> you, I'm sending you some uh, warmth and sunshine down from Florida. Um, Thank you. Um, yes, uh, last uh, time I was on, I was showing this kind of floppy uh, hard case, and uh, Noam Pedro have... Uh, had it on their show. It, it, the case is wonderful. It has an Adafruit Pi portal, which is fantastic. But there's no, there's no flop. Uh, what do you call it? File icons like mm. like my other project. Um, that um, the Circuit Python community, uh, Mark Comas and uh, and Dan and, and Jeff have all been kind of working on getting animated GIF. GIF, however you'd like to say it, uh, files uh, playing on displays in CircuitPython. So yes. I, I, I could have done that maybe in Arduino, but it, it's, that's not as much fun. So. No, um, I can confirm it's not as much fun. Well, <laughs> Thank you. Um, so um, there's been experimental in the nightly builds uh, of 8.1. And so I just wanted to play with it, and it became so much fun. I started putting them on to Twitter and Mastodon. And um, so you, you have the, the old schoolness of the floppy case. Excellent. And, and then you can put all kinds of videos on it. Um, I love Max Headroom. He's very vintage along with the uh, floppy. Um, you can see my, my Twitter down here, whatever. Um, you can go onto my Twitter account and uh, check out all the different videos that um, I've made so far. And also, I believe um, on Ask an Engineer, there's going to be a little loop about which videos I've made. I've made some of the startups for uh, Mac and Amiga, um, a few memes, um, a couple Easter eggs. So. It, it's really fun doing this and trying to yeah. think of things that that mesh well um, between kind of the vintage part and the video part because of all the memes. And uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who like the nostalgia. Some people are telling me, uh, you know, what I'm doing wrong, <laughs> um, but you know, a lot of people like the floppy nostalgia and and the the juxtaposition and 
it's it's great fun. So we don't have a guide yet, um, but one will probably be coming soon because we're mm -hmm. refining the the um, playback code uh, in Circuit Python. Um, but it will be there. So uh, That's great. If you pick up some stuff and and have a case printed, then then you'll be in the lane for when it pops up. Yes. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Anne. And uh, no looking forward to more retro fun from you. Thank you. Okay. Have a good one. Next, um, for some more floppy stuff, we're going to go to Jeff. Hello, Jeff. You are muted. Oh, Jeff, you're muted. <laughs> All right. I was just uh, thanking Anne for putting Nyan Cat on the floppy. That mm -hmm. was the one I asked for because, you know, it's got that retro style to it, even if it's not from the true floppy era. Yes. But uh, my guide, if you want to go to the overhead camera, yes. for Speaking the floppy feather wing came out today. So this here is the uh, feather wing itself. And okay. you pair it with an RP2040 microcontroller cool. and plug it all into a vintage floppy disk. This is a Panasonic three and a half inch floppy. Oh, okay. And um, you can archive old floppies with it using uh, Flex Engine and Grease Weasel. Okay. You can uh, use it as a mass storage device uh, to actually mount it live on your computer in real time. And you can do other stuff with it. And we are looking, we're hoping that somebody will make floppy music with it. Uh, we don't have code for it yet, but, uh, you know, you can move the floppy motor back and forth oh. and make sounds with it. Uh, hmm. So maybe hmm. some kind of MIDI to floppy thing in the future. I don't know. It's not my thing. But anyway, yeah, okay. so that's, that's this. And you have to power it with uh, 5 and 12 volts, depending on okay. the drive. Yeah. And uh, some other gotchas that I ran into. Um, I've got two other floppy drives here. So this connector, let me unplug it. Um, maybe. This connector has a key, which is this little little nubbin yeah. here you can see that stops you from plugging it in the wrong way. That's handy. Well, this, this drive here, its connector is correct. Mm -hmm. So you can plug it in. OK. This drive, it's hard to see. It's hard to focus. It's got the Sneaky. notch in the wrong position. Oh. So if you plug it in like this, which is how it fits, it's wrong. It doesn't work. Wow. And you can't flip it around because the key stops you plugging right, it in the, the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> so and All then right. my third drive. This might be why people don't actually, like technology. It actually has both sides cut out. So you can for sure plug it in, but one of the ways is wrong. So, gotcha. So yeah, just watch out when you're plugging in your floppy drive. Uh, the guide does mention how to do a quick continuity test with your meter just to make sure oh, it's okay. correct. That's and handy. then if you've got one of these old guys, the oh, honking yeah. five and a quarter, oh. you'll need to find a different uh, ribbon style connector. So oh, okay. if you don't have this stuff, you are going to be spending some time on eBay. But <laughs> Anyway, if you are into it, check out the guide. We've got uh, Arduino code. We've got CircuitPython code. We've got um, just a UF2 that you put on, and then you use it with the Grease Weasel and Flex Engine on mm. your host computer. And that okay. is for doing things like archiving your old floppy disks, which you you were kind of asking me about before um, yes. we went on. Yes, I have a, I have a quick floppy question because I... I kind of missed all the floppy things mm -hmm. and I was given this floppy in like the fifth or sixth grade so that I could put like homework assignments on it and then bring it to the computer lab 
to print from it. I, I think it was some sort of task to try and make us responsible adults. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't know what's on it. Like, I don't know if there's actually, I have in my elementary school handwriting science report. I, so I don't know. Oh, that could be really cool. Like, I don't know what's on here. Uh, so mm-hmm. I was curious if this kind of floppy would work with the feather wing. Yeah. And- so you were saying it's a Windows floppy. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, with um, there's a mass storage demo. So if it's a 1.44 meg floppy, there were two different capacities. Um, Then that'll just actually mount on your modern computer when you use that firmware. Okay. Um, Otherwise, you can use those two pieces of software I was talking about, either Flex Engine or Grease Weasel. Okay. And that will get you an image file. Hmm. Um, And then apparently with the 7-zip program, you can open up that image file similar to how you open up a zip file. And okay. see what's inside. And the guide covers those things. So That's you excellent. can check out that guide right after you get off this broadcast. Excellent. I will I will use that to read the floppy and then I'll transfer right over to the floppy music. That'll be a good yeah. workflow. All right. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, anyway, Jeff. Yep. Talk to you later. Have a good one. Next, we're going to go to John Park. Hey, hello. Hey, John. How's it so, going? Uh, it's going well. First of all, I have a, a tell that I can't show. But I'm so excited because it snowed briefly here in L.A. today, which is so weird. But I can't show it because <laughs> it melted like within two seconds of hitting the ground. Yeah. It was a little warm. But wherever that uh, stuff comes from in the sky was very cold. So it made its way down as uh, sort of gross ice chunklet things. Um, That's what ours has turned to now. It's just gross. No, and man. Yeah. But <laughs> we've had some uh, the hills out here about. 3,000 foot elevation and somewhere around 2,200 feet is there's been a snow line for a couple of days. So that's, oh, wow. uh, that's fun and weird. Uh, it's also <laughs> terrible, terrible weather for, I'm trying to do some spray painting. Um, I'm actually oh. I'm working on my MIDI version of the Meowsic cat. And so I'm, I'm doing a, a, a black spray paint mostly. Wow. Guy. Uh, so today it has been variously gray and rainy, uh, mm. snowing, and then sunny and very windy. So just perfectly terrible weather for trying to do any kind of spray painting. I, I was setting awesome. up lockers outside and painting and then bringing yeah. it into the shop to, to try to let it. Uh, I've tried to spray paint in similar weather here and it's just. Um, it's no good. Usually no. Southern California is like a great place for spray. Right. Painting. Usually our weather is so dry and hot, but not today. Um, so on to the thing I can show, which is yes. um, if you pop the screen up there, what I've got okay. is I've, I've been working on uh doing some boards using these chalk key switches so these are low profile key switches from kale Mm. uh, the brand kale Um, and here is an example of a sort of typical more common cherry mx sized switch next to the right it's got a nice low profile um and we sell them but we don't have any breakout boards for them and they have weird uh, pin spacing and stabilizers and things. So you're not really shoving yeah. that into any breadboard or pro- permaproto or anything like that. So you kind of need a breakout. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I took on a challenge that Lamore gave me, which was, could you make a footprint for this in fritzing? So fritzing, I've done some PCB work in there and I've, I've made some parts. Uh, this was definitely the biggest challenge for part making because I, I decided to go for the reverse mount NeoPixel mm-hmm. integrated into the same part as the footprint of the Kale switch. Um, okay, yeah. This sort of worked and sort of didn't. Fritzing did not like that I was trying to make a 
uh, SMD part and a through hole part that was all one part. So yeah, why gets really weird. Like I, I, I kind it's of so angry. It. Yeah. It's not a movement. Um, yeah. I was able to get boards made. Uh, they work except for due to an error, just a straight up error on my part. The um, holes got plated, so you can oh, see okay. there. Yeah. So plating there, which normally wouldn't matter, except that can and did in one case Barely bridge touches. some of these solder joints. So yeah. I ended up with a with a problem. So uh, I've revised that, but this is one of the ones that I had made that still has that problem, has the plating in there. And so mm -hmm. the idea here is to make a little hex switch keypad, cool. uh, sort of like a hex shape, seven of these um, key switches. And yeah. then let me adjust my um, exposure there so you can see a little better. Mm. I've got the uh, the reveal here. So here's one Excellent. with really beautiful hexagonal key yeah. caps. So those fit on top of this kind of weird stem uh, that, that the kale uh, chocks have, this little tooth-looking mm -hmm. thing. Um, <laughs> and so I've got my reverse mount neopixels under there glowing through. Um, mm -hmm. These are some commercially made uh, keycaps that I got. They're a little hard to find at the moment, but Noe has uh, started to work on a 3D printed variant of it so yes. that we can do a project and people can, can get their hands on those. Um, you could use this for anything. What I've got happening right now, if I turn up the exposure again and just flip this over, is mm -hmm. I have a cutie pie mounted underneath. And right now oh, it's nice. up on some big risers there, so it's goofy, but eventually that'll be mounted pretty flush to there. So I'm yeah. um, just using kind of one pin per switch and using mm -hmm. our keypad library. And then I have uh, some code that I adapted from another project I'd done uh, which was the modal MIDI keyboard. And the idea there was Ooh, to make yeah. a keyboard that plays notes that all sound good together. So you don't really have to know what you're doing. It's just more about selecting the intervals that you like. Um, so I adjusted that to have um, a nice interval for these seven keys and each of them plays their own chords. So oh, I that's have great. Um, choices of like Lydian and Mixolydian and minor and major. So you can you can pick Sweet. the mode you want, but then they each have their own sort of interesting intervals and even an octave thrown in there. Um, so let me know if you can hear this well enough or I'll, I can turn it up. Okay. I can hear it. Yep. Sounds well, good. That's good. Okay. Uh, so here's here's how I have them laid out. And there are a lot of keyboard projects out there that are, that are using, that use this idea of isomorphic um, layouts where it's mm -hmm. not a keyboard sort of linear layout, but instead there are relationships among keys that sound good to uh, next to their neighbors and so forth. I didn't yeah. research any of that. And I just kind of invented something sort of, I think, like it from scratch, just because that was fun. Um, yeah. But but here's, here's what it is with uh, them played in order. So I've got an octave there. It's just not, you know, 12 semitones, uh, but yeah. you can hear each of them have their own little chord. So the idea here is you can kind of come up with these patterns, these um, 2D patterns in your mind that work well visually for you and uh, spatially for you and play things that I think kind of sound neat together. So Yeah, it sounds really cool. So there's a little, uh, That's great. little taste of the weird hex keypad and, and where I'm at with it. That's awesome. I can't I can't wait to see how this all comes together. 
yes, thanks so modes much. Modes and the hexes, great. Yeah, come on by tomorrow to, to the workshop. I'll, I'll dig into that a bit and, and sort of what the uh, code is behind that and, and, and my thinking behind it. And maybe I'll even research the, the way this is properly done. So I'll have some, I'll be armed with some knowledge by, by tomorrow. Music theory and electronics. I love it. That's it. Yeah. All right. Have a good night. Thank, Thank you. you. Last but not least, we are going to hear from community member DJ Devin. DJ Devin, can you play us out? Sure. I'm, la I'm okay. There's only yeah. one, only one I community member. Oh, it's a okay. quiet night. It's a quiet night, but that's okay. I, well, not not with my here. male boombox. Oh, wow. That, that's not quiet at all. Uh, well, actually, this <laughs> is only a ten percent volume. Fair. Uh, and I barely have it on. So. I really like the uh, the little mini mailbox from uh, uh, I think Brent Rebell did this for on printables. Yeah, and and I did a, a make of that, but I wanted a, a big one, and this Giant. this took 150 hours to print. Wow, all three pieces. Yeah, uh, and I can't get the flag to stay on. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, well I have to figure that out. I cannibalized the servo motor from the little guy. Okay. And, uh, the made the walls i mean you can see how thick these walls are yeah i didn't quite uh figure that into the dimensions when i did the servo so the servo doesn't stick out far enough but that's a problem okay. for another day yeah yeah uh so in here it's just um oh god where do i start uh <laughs> i have a pink feather rp2040 with okay. a laura rfm 95 um feather wing uh, so this mailbox is going to be a notification system for the real mailbox outside. I see. So okay. it's going to do a lot of stuff as well as run Octoprint, which I have uh, um, plans in the future for using your guide for the Octoprint stuff and then oh, having sweet. a little LCD like right there, as well as the notification for the print status and just like a whole notification wow. bonanza kind of thing. It's the most functional mailbox I think I've ever seen. It, well, it's not all working yet, so it's not that functional. Well, you know, ev eventually it will be the most functional. Uh, yeah. uh, there are plans, yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, and uh, today I also got it working with Bluetooth. So it's a Bluetooth oh, mail sweet. boombox doctor print thingy. Um, there's a small I2S amplifier in here. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know the name of it. The Max 9387 something or other. Uh, yeah. It's a mono amp. And you're not supposed to use this as a preamp to drive the 20 watt uh, out of fruit mm. uh, amp. Okay. Now the 20 watt is not I2S. It's just regular analog. It has I2C digital controls that you can kind of turn off and use a poten yeah, potentiometer uh, and make it analog. So you have a digital I2C or an analog kind of thing. And I have it set as I2C and that okay. is not playing nicely with the, uh, the little amplifier, which is why you're not supposed to use the little, little guy as a preamp because they both use I2C and they, yeah. they conflict with each other and tons okay. of noise, tons of hum. If I yeah. turn this all the way up, it's, it's does not sound good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but I am working on that. Um, cool. And I will figure that out. And I think, that's about all I have to show for now. This is definitely a so, work in progress. This is going to take a while. Yeah. Well, we like seeing works in progress because uh, then, you know, it's all that more satisfying to see it working yeah. at the end. And uh, are you documenting the 
the build or the code you're doing anywhere? In my mind? In your mind. Fair. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I guess not. No. No. Um, ultimately, this is going to be for a family member who lives out in the okay. country. Oh, cool. So, like, That's I can go to my mailbox and back, no problem. But they yeah. live really far away, which is why I want the Laura stuff. I Plus, see. I can also use this to prototype the lid opening and closing. I'm going to use a uh, an ultrasonic sen distance sensor. Okay. And another idea for the the distance is yes, it will notify you of activity when it's open. Mm. Um, but with the ultrasonic, I'm hoping that it can get distance just right, so that if there's actually mail inside, it will tell you if there's actual mail inside. Ooh, that that would be very cool. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, projects within projects within projects. Excellent. All right. Well, I like what you've done so far and uh, looking forward to seeing how it goes along as you keep working on it. Uh, thank you very much. And all you other community members out there, get in show and tell. I'm not the only one out here. All right. Have a great night. <laughs> have a good one. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show and tell, but stick around in about five minutes right here uh, is going to be Ask an Engineer with Lamore and PT. Uh, so until next time, hope everyone has a good night.